You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Hey, Jamie. Hey, Caitlin. Do you want to come over for Sunday dinner? I don't think I have a choice. I think I'm disloyal to the family if I don't show up. It's true. It's true. But I do want to get into a petty argument because that's what family dinners are all about. Exactly. Exactly. And sorry in advance for my cooking being terrible, but you'll probably make a snide comment about it anyway. So that's okay. I'm bringing something from the grocery store and heating it up in a pan and saying (laughs) that I made it. Hell yeah. And (laughs) bragging about it until someone catches me. So wonderful. It's kind of this thing I've been getting into. Sounds great. <laughs> well, welcome to the Bechdel cast. My name is Jamie Loftus. My name is Caitlin Durante, and this is our show where we examine movies through an intersectional feminist lens using the Bechdel test simply as a jumping off point. We're just using it to initiate larger conversations about representation and things. But Jamie, what even is the Bechdel test? Well, The Bechdel Test is a media metric created by queer cartoonist Alison Bechdel. It's sometimes called the Bechdel-Wallace Test. It was a test that she originally wrote into a comic collection she published in the 80s and 90s, Dykes to Watch Out For. It was a bit, it was a joke to point Mm -hmm. out how infrequently women in movies talk to each other about anything but uh, men in the movie. Mm -hmm. But it has since turned into a metric that people use as sort of a soft jumping off point for discussion about representation in movies, and that's how we use it. Our version of the test requires that there be two people of a marginalized gender with names who speak to each other about something other than a man for more than two lines of dialogue. It's not that hard. It's not. But and yet, if you're Christopher Nolan, <laughs> it's, he's goddamn near impossible. He's never heard of it, and he won't hear of it. This is so wildly off topic, but I feel like I, so I saw Oppenheimer bravely. Um, wow. Brag. It, I just like, at this point, I view Christopher Nolan's women 
as like camp masterpieces because I'm like <laughs> he's never gonna get it I can't I don't have the energy to get mad about it anymore mm-hmm. I'm like yeah sure that's that's what we're like all right <laughs> you, yeah. you got us pegged Florence Pugh sitting naked in a chair for no reason that's camp bless his heart I mean you know <laughs> I he's I genuinely do think that he's doing his best in that department and that is kind of tragic okay <laughs> anyways mm, yeah. it's not Oppenheimer day <laughs> Thankfully, we have an incredible guest and I want to get her in the mix. Yes, let's do it. Uh, She's a filmmaker, curator and founder of Black Tina Media, a community which elevates and amplifies the voices of Afro-Latinx and Caribbean people. It's Nydia Simone. Hello and welcome. Hey, y'all. What's good? Welcome. Yeah, I'm like, (laughs) I wish I would have practiced my intro. Like, oh my gosh, you no, nailed it. you nailed it. Hi. The landing has been stuck. Hola. Hola to you. I'm like all the slang terms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so today's movie is Soul Food. So tell us about your relationship with the movie Soul Food. Wow. Okay, so first, like my mom is African-American. My dad is Panamanian. I'm black on both sides. So mm-hmm. like that movie is actually popular in like both communities and all of the themes uh, just flow so well with both of the uh, like families like I, I have. And mm-hmm. that movie is a true black classic. That's an African-American classic. Like and so many people i've like recited the lines when um (laughs) vanessa williams character is like fuck the family like that whole (laughs) sequence like everybody knows every single line and it's so real and it's so realistic like this has happened to multiple Mm. fans like you had a party it was an argument in a kitchen, in the kitchen. It's always the kitchen. It's always mm. the kitchen and it spills out. It was like, it's a beautiful moment. I love the movie. I love all the themes like it represents. Um, I know it passes the bachelor test mm-hmm. with flying colors. For sure. See, I'm having a hard time pronouncing that word. But <laughs> yeah, I, a lot of the movies though I watch are like a bunch of women. So I mm-hmm. love that they're sisters. I have sisters, lots of drama good food Mm-mm-mm. like I just I have a strong relationship with the film themes of the film are still relevant to me and my family today mm-hmm. and yeah all the actors I love all the actors I grew up watching oh, all those actors mm-hmm. Vivica Fox Vanessa Williams Makai Pfeiffer Mekhi like Pfeiffer. <sighs> dreamboat not his character but him. no no <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, but he's a cool dude, like, human-wise. Nice. Yeah, I was like, I've never heard a bad word about Mackay Pfeiffer, and I hope I never do. Yeah, same. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Jamie, what's your relationship with the movie? My relationship with this movie isn't super extensive. I feel like as an avid TNT watcher, I've Mm. seen bits and pieces of this movie. I feel like that's my answer half the time on this (laughs) podcast is like, I probably watched it on TNT when I was too young to understand anything happening in the movie. Mm -hmm. But I am a fan of this director, George Tillman Jr. Like he's Mm -hmm. wonderful, still very much working. I mean, I think I definitely saw... (laughs) all the barbershops and beauty shop and um, most recently the hate you give. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And so I'm a fan of his work, but I had never actually sat down with soul food. And I certainly haven't seen this movie since I think I was cognizant of how wildly stacked this cast is. Yeah. Right. Down to like Gina Rivera from The Closer, which was another mm-hmm. TNT staple that I did watch. Also, we talked about her recently because she was in Showgirls. Yeah. This cast is absolutely nuts. It's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I, I really enjoyed learning about what this movie meant to George Tillman Jr. because he he wrote and directed it, which he doesn't always necessarily do. He usually directs. And so Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed it. I love love a family drama, and I especially love a family drama that centers the sisters Mm -hmm. instead of the brothers because brothers are not as interesting to me. But it's also very much a product of the 90s. So uh, there's certain elements where I was like, Let's discuss, but I'm very excited <laughs> to talk about it. And there was a spinoff TV show. Yeah, yeah. another different Vanessa Williams, who I think she played the same. It's so confusing because, like, in the black community, we talk about Vanessa Williams. It's like, what, the light skinned one or the dark skinned one? And that's like, <laughs> it's because it's like they are in the same circles and stuff like that. Well, I don't know mm-hmm. in real life, but like, you see all of them in like different like films and stuff like that. But right, the same like era too. The TV show was very popular too. Like so I feel like uh this director does not get he did not get his flowers. He's not getting his flowers. He's still pretty young, like so yeah. maybe he'll get some flowers soon after his solar return, his second solar return. So mm. Oh my god I was He's reading like about fifty four so my Saturn I'm I'm finishing up my Saturn return, which is also why I'm blaming Wait, everything return. in my life going on. Saturn um return. yeah, George Tillman's is coming up. He's fifty four. Yeah. So his renaissance has yet to come. But he's so accomplished too. It's really right. Yeah. Right. He directed the. I did not see it. Uh, the George Foreman biopic that came out this year. Yes. Um, just a fun fact. Okay. I. It's true. Got to check. Vaguely that remembered out. that was a thing, but I didn't see it. I should see it. Mm. Caitlin, was your history with Soul Food? <laughs> <laughs> I had never seen it. I knew about it, but it is not something that I watched. I'm not as big of a fan of family drama films i'm more like let's watch characters go on a little quest kind of person so i missed this one but yeah i i wasn't fully aware of the stacked cast until i started watching it and researching it and i was like wow look at all these great actors who are also so good looking and (laughs) I enjoyed the movie and I'm really excited to talk about it. There's lots to discuss. So should we get into it? Yes, because there's many characters. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) There's a lot of story. I feel like some family dramas really over or undershoot like balancing the characters but I thought it would this one was so well done where it's like you I feel like every character got a satisfying arc or like when I say satisfying I didn't necessarily love how all the stories went but they all happened like no one got lost in in the shuffle which is so impressive true yeah definitely okay here is the recap of soul food so we open on a wedding a family is celebrating Bird, played by Nia Long, getting married to Lem, that's Mackay Pfeiffer, and Bird has two sisters, Terry and Maxine, played by Vanessa Williams and Vivica A. Fox, respectively, 
and we learn about each of them. Maxine is married to Kenny, played by Jeffrey D. Sams. They have two kids plus a baby on the way. One of the kids is this young boy named Ahmad, and he's like the narrator of the story. The whole thing is told through through his his point of view. Which was so Mm -hmm. cool, like to see it through a child's POV. Yeah. I was a kid too at the time because I was like seven in 1997. So it was like Mm. I could, it was a really great way for me to connect with these adult themes, you know, Mm -hmm. and in his relationship with his mom. Okay. Wait. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I know. It's really sweet. I love. Ahmad, especially because I don't know, I feel like there's so many like wise child tropes where it's like this For sure. kid is beyond his years, which Ahmad is, but he's also still very much a little stinker telling mm-hmm. weird lies to get his family <laughs> to hang out with each other. And I was like, that is the right amount of little stinker. He's like, let's go on a treasure hunt in the I house. Know. It's like, yeah, that's a very like, you know, I don't know how old the like 11 year old behavior or however yeah. old he's supposed but to be. But he also something. was like, oh, they want money. <laughs> like he was yeah. like, he was like, oh, okay. Where's the money? Yeah. He knows how to get adults interested in his scheme. Yeah, for sure. And then they're like, oh, no, yeah, we came here because we uh, love each other. You're <laughs> right? like, yeah. yeah they I'm all sure show up and they're like, oh, right, we're a family. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, so the story is told through Ahmad's point of view. And we also get to know more about Terry. She's married to Miles, played by Michael Beach. They're both lawyers. They're like the wealthier members of the family. And, and he wants to be a musician. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, God. and she is not supportive. Voice. Sometimes, and this is just my current moment, but I'm so triggered by like, and triggered, I mean, extremely light triggered by husbands who want to quit their jobs and become musicians. I'm just like, <laughs> enough is enough. It reminds me of Jason Bateman and Juno, where it's like, it's not going to happen, oh, babe. Yeah. Best of luck, though. I have a quick aside, which is... For the whole time I was watching this movie, I was like, Ahmad looks so familiar. Ahmad looks so familiar. And it's because he's, to me anyways, he's accomplished child actor, but baby Michael Jordan in Space Jam. Oh, intr- I did not make Michael that connection. Jordan, and he's the one that is outside doing shooting the hoops all night long. I yeah. just, I, I've seen Space Jam 5,000 times. I was like, I it's Space baby Jam. Michael it's Jordan. I did not make that connection. I was looking at his IMDb, and apparently he's in Mars Attacks, which we do need to cover someday. I've never seen Mars that Attacks movie. Is a oh great my gosh, movie. Jamie, great. I think you'd love it. I think I would too, just based on the poster. Like, I don't know how I haven't seen it. Yeah, it's yeah. Such but a yeah, good, um, I wanted to be like with the aliens. I was like, I'm with y'all. Let's go. Right? Like, <laughs> seriously. Anyway, so he, yes, he's he's in a lot of stuff. Okay, so then we meet Big Mama Jo. Uh, she is Bird, Terry, and Maxine's mom. Mm-hmm. Um, jo, because their last name is Joseph. Uh, she's played by Irma P. Hall. And, well, there's... and also her name's Josephine, so it could really... Oh, oh, that makes way. more sense. Yeah. Jo, Josephine Joseph is her name? Yeah, she's Jo Squared. Oh. Hell yeah. Love yeah. that. Okay, so there's already drama, because at the wedding... Lem is grinding on the dance floor with another woman who is not his bride. 
And then Bird's ex-boyfriend, Simuel, shows up and he's bad news. But Big Mama always knows what to do to dissipate the drama in the family and set things right. So she does that. Then we cut to their weekly Sunday dinner, a 40-year tradition where the whole family gets together at Big Mama's house. Sorry, I had to say it. Starring Martin Lawrence. And she cooks a bunch of delicious soul food, fried chicken, collard greens, cornbread, mac and cheese, chitlins, ham hocks, things like that. And the food always brings the family together. And I love that they show the food. I Sometimes mm. I feel like they're like, the food at dinner was amazing. And then you don't see it and you're like, was it? Where is it? Oh, yeah. Beautiful food views in this movie. Great spread. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So then Ahmad, in his voiceover narration, is talking about Big Mama and her husband, who passed away some years before. He ran a few successful businesses, and there's this family rumor that they had saved up money and stowed some of it away in the house somewhere. So there's like this kind of underlying like secret stash of money that no one really knows where it is. Ugh. If I was old and had money, I would want to do that just to fuck with my family. (laughs) (laughs) It's like there's always money in the banana stand kind of thing. But it's like there's always money in Uncle Pete's television set. (laughs) Yeah, the third act is really loaded in this movie. So many things happen in a row where if you blink, you're like, "What? what? The house is on fire. Uncle Pete's TV is full of money. It's thrilling. Yeah. Um, because also in the house uh, lives Big Mama's brother, Uncle Pete, who is a recluse who never comes out of his room. Okay, so the women, they're preparing Sunday dinner. By the way, Terry and Maxine don't get along because when they were younger, Terry was dating Kenny, who left her for Maxine, and Terry never forgave her for it. Then as they're like preparing the meal, we get a reveal that Big Mama has diabetes, but she brushes it off. She says, I don't need to go to a doctor. Everyone sits down to dinner, and then Cousin Faith shows up, played by Gina Rivera, and Big Mama is delighted to see her, but no one else in the family seems thrilled. They seem like they don't really like her because she's got kind of like a quote-unquote bad reputation. Right, which Um, they're like, she moved to L.A. I was like, yeah, Bad sign. (laughs) (laughs) Evil thing to do. Just then, Maxine, who is pregnant as heck, goes into labor. So the family rushes to the hospital. She has a baby. Also at the hospital, I think in a separate day, separate situation, uh, Big Mama is told that her leg needs to be amputated because of complications due to her diabetes. She again kind of brushes it off. Meanwhile, Samuel shows up to Bird's work. Uh, she runs a hair salon. He gives her a wedding present, and but he clearly has ulterior motives. He has like resting villain face big time. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Handsome. A handsome resting Fine. villain face. <laughs> but, but resting villain face nonetheless. It's nonetheless. like, why are you with him again? Why you done just... What's the issue? What was the problem with this guy? Like, right? It's never quite. It's not clear. totally clear. Hmm. Maybe I just I truly was I was just like just the way that the actor was carrying himself in the part, and I was like, oh, it's the guy in the suit that's up to no good. 
Got right. it. <laughs> and right. And it's, it's what a man wants. They want the woman to be with the freaking dude. They have to do all the work to help them. It's like, mm. it, yeah, you know, it is they, written by a man. Yeah. Boy, is it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Samuel shows up to work. He's being scheming. Then Lem shows up at Maxine and Kenny's house and he tells Kenny that he lost his job because he had lied on his application about having been convicted of a crime because he spent time in jail. He recently got out of jail, but he lied about this on his application. His employer found out and he got fired. Um, so now he's looking for a new job and he wants Kenny to help him. And Kenny's like, don't worry, I got you. Then we check in with Terry and Miles. He tells her that he wants to invest more time and money in his music. She's not happy about it. She's like, you're a lawyer. Just be a lawyer. She's also not happy about Cousin Faith. I can't tell if I'm not supposed to be on her side there, but... And maybe it's just because I'm on Vanessa. But I was like, I'm on Vanessa Williams' side. Men shouldn't follow <laughs> their dreams. everybody now is like, she was right. Terry was right. Terry was in the right the entire time. She was being mm -hmm. taken advantage of. She's literally holding everything together, but she's like, supposed to be the bad person. But nobody yeah. else is taking care of the house. Nobody else is paying the taxes. Nobody, you know, but right. she's like the villain. I was very team Terry there. Where, yeah, I was like, she just wants a little bit of appreciation. Thank you. Uh, like, I understand that sometimes it is like not presented in the most tasteful way, maybe. And I understand why her sisters would be frustrated with her. But I'm like, it's not absolutely out of the question that she would want to be acknowledged for how much she's doing mm -hmm. and i just don't think her husband should follow his dreams he was annoying <laughs> to me i wanted i or or at least i don't know whatever we'll talk about how the story mm -hmm. goes but i feel like yeah the way what that terry his dreams? story went was like kind of treated as like well of course this would happen because look how terry was telling him to stop playing the keyboard and you're like Stop playing the keyboard, man. <laughs> yeah, she's portrayed as being very frigid. But yeah, she's like actually making sure the family is like being held together. She's also like very elitist about it. She's like, I'm yeah. richer than all of you. And I went to law school. And I'm like, okay, someone who's always talking about their advanced degree certainly not me that someone who went like to boston university Caitlin to Durante. get a master's in screenwriting because i never mentioned that i've never she, heard that before <laughs> oh, but she's always good. mentioning her law degree anyway <laughs> and doesn't she mention also that she put her sisters through school i don't know if if i'm remembering Ooh, that right she does say that she pays for bird's wedding mm -hmm. she mentions different things she has paid for to like you know, and she oh she gives a loan to Bird also to open up the beauty to open shop. The shop. Yeah. Different things like that. Yeah. So she's like yeah. to me like she's a parentified child. Like even though she's a sister, she was being very maternal mm -hmm. to her sisters. Because she's the eldest too, the way a lot of like eldest siblings often take on a role like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we check in with Terry and Miles. She's not happy about him pursuing his music. She's also not happy about Cousin Faith crashing with them. Then Big Mama is convinced to have the surgery. So she goes through with the surgery, but she has a stroke during it and falls into a coma. 
and the family is devastated and her not being around sets off this kind of chain reaction of things going wrong in the family. For example, the 40-year tradition of Sunday dinners falls apart, especially because Terry and Maxine get in a fight about it because they're never getting along. Meanwhile, Terry and her marriage with Miles is on edge. Again, she does not respect his musical ambitions. And then... (laughs) I kept stopping on her side about this. I just (laughs) refuse. Also, one night, Miles and Cousin Faith are flirting. Uh, Later, he helps her with a dance audition she has. And then eventually, they have sex. And Terry comes home and sees them. Miles doesn't know that she saw them until she confronts him at a party later that evening and chases him around with a butcher knife. Again, she did nothing wrong. She, right? she did nothing wrong. Um, I no. mean, she didn't kill him. Nope. Yeah, she just she, had to make a point. No, there, <laughs> you know, technically what she did was wrong, but he cheated in their marital home. In view of a full open window, he had, I'm just like, Mm -hmm. cheaters in monogamous relationships, gross, hate it. Mm -hmm. But especially when they're bad at it or like lazy about it. I'm just like, oh my God, you're not even good at this. You didn't even try to conceal this. (laughs) (laughs) A child almost saw it. Like, Right, because Ahmad was, because she's doing more. That's not even her kid. She don't have, she can't even have kids. She's busy working all the time. If it's not work. It's homework. Yeah. And it's like ridiculous. Yeah, I'm on. She did nothing wrong. I'm 10 toes down, Terry. But really quick back to Gina Rivera because (laughs) just like the mid 90s, there are so many good Gina Rivera dance scenes committed to film because we just covered Showgirls. And so I just wanted to shout it out. I liked and also thought it was like very 90s that anytime that there's music or dancing in this movie, you see like, a lot of it so much like you see the whole song and you're kind of like huh why i'm not mad about <laughs> it but okay great yeah. like when miles is in his band you see them play the whole song and you're like mm-hmm. okay great sure <laughs> good job you guys but i yeah. also feel like that's like normal like in black film like art mm. is mm. so important like in black film like even prayer like normal people are like oh i pray it's like you see people actually praying you hear them mm-hmm. you're it's like mm-hmm. you get the whole experience and with the dance like i feel like that like i've seen so many specifically like african-american films see the entire dance and also mm-hmm. people will get upset if it doesn't feel real so like in sure like, you know the show like pose r.i.p pose got canceled like uh, when he had that audition and people were like, he would have never been accepted with that audition. What the <laughs> heck? Like, and you know, um, because I feel yeah. like we have this history of like, if you're like usually black film, them people dancing. It's like Janet mm-hmm. Jackson's background dancer. And like, they have actual dancers, actual singers. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I mean, in this, you know that, Gina Rivera did that entire routine because they're not doing any fancy cutting or I mean the dancing in particular was beautiful I didn't know that that was like a feature of of black film that's cool to know definitely so then we get that chunk of Terry and Miles's subplot 
meanwhile, we're, we're checking in with Bird and Lem. She finds out that he was fired from his job and he can't find another one. So she calls upon her ex, Simuel, to hook him up with a job. And then Lem finds out about this favor she called in and he feels emasculated and he goes ballistic on both Simuel and Bird. We'll talk about this whole uh, subplot in more detail later on. Um, but then Terry calls another cousin of theirs to basically like go rough Lem up. And when that happens, there's like this bar fight and Lem pulls a gun and gets arrested and ends up back in jail. Then the sisters and their spouses have this conversation about how they're going to pay for Big Mama's hospital bills. Terry wants to sell, once again, Big Mama's house, uh, starring Martin Lawrence. And Maxine is opposed to this. And no one really knows what to do. And little Ahmad goes to visit Big Mama in the hospital. And while he's there, she comes out of the coma and tries to tell Ahmad something that she wants him to do, but she can't finish. She starts coughing. Doctors rush in. And then we get a reveal that she has passed away. So the family grieves. Everyone's a mess. Bird finds out that she's pregnant Terry calls in a, a lawyer favor <laughs> and classic lawyer, classic lawyer behavior. She gets Lem bailed out of jail. Meanwhile, Ahmad thinks that what Big Mama wanted him to do was to get the whole family together again for Sunday dinner. So he goes to each member of the family and tells them that before she died, Big Mama told him about that stash of money that's hidden away somewhere in the house and that he needs their help to find it and he's like i'll give you a finder's fee you know like sweetening the deal and little stinker love him. <laughs> right because what he's really trying to do is just get everyone in the house at the same time for family dinner so everyone shows up and they realize that it was just a ploy to get everyone together and they feel uneasy about it but they roll with it and they sit down to dinner during the dinner, some grievances are aired. And then they're also like, well, what about this stash of money, though? And Ahmad is like, mm, yeah, I just made that up to get everyone together again, because all you do is fight. <laughs> and he's crying. And then there's a fire in the kitchen. And everyone's scrambling to put it out. And then suddenly, Uncle Pete, the elusive relative who lives upstairs, shows up in the kitchen holding a suitcase full of that cash that was there all along mm -hmm. and the family is like wee and then the movie ends with Ahmad's voiceover saying now I understand what soul food is all about because during slavery black folks didn't have a lot to celebrate so cooking became the way that we expressed our love for each other and that's what Sunday dinners meant to us it was a time for sharing our joys and sorrows and then we flash forward to see the family getting along. They're having a nice time. They're in a better place. They didn't sell the house. They didn't. Know, yes, exactly. Because you know, that's why and, they had the fight in the kitchen was because Terry's like, I'm selling the house. Right. So the house stays in the family and everyone is just doing pretty well. And that's the end of the movie. So let's take a quick break and we'll come back to discuss.
Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. And we're back. And we're back. We usually defer to our guest, uh, Nadia. Is there anywhere you in particular would like to start the discussion? Hmm. I guess like with this film, there's so many things, so many things. I really like how it's like a play. Like there's a lot of setups mm-hmm. in the first act, like everything mm-hmm. like means something and it comes back. Like even at the end when the fire happens, there's a reason she specifically said, you don't put anything on, mm-hmm. like Big Bomb said, don't put anything on the stove because that's how fires happen. And he accidentally, and it was like, he didn't think of it. He just put it by the stove because they, mm-hmm. they like, Ahmad, come here. And that's when they realize, y'all here for some money? I'm here for some money. You know, and they, <laughs> and that's how like the whole fire got started and they all had to work mm-hmm. together to like, put it out and the and yeah. which led to uncle pete coming out his room because he thought he's about to die because he smelled the smoke and then dropped he held a tv he wasn't gonna steal the money he, he, I didn't, <laughs> did he know that there was money there maybe he knew there was money there. he was like oh i gotta get my money know. unclear yeah yeah because the tv appeared to be bursting with money <laughs> and then we you know now the money's flying everywhere and it's like oh my gosh we don't have to sell the house yeah. anymore we got it mm-hmm. but I love that film because it's a complete story, beginning, middle, and end. Um, mm-hmm. And as like I guess like a black child, it felt like very relatable. Like, oh my god, I would love to get my family together, you know. Mm-hmm. However, she died because of diabetes due to some of that food. Some of that food needed to be substituted. 
Um, and this is actually a big, big area of contention for a lot of black communities with people calling soul food bad. And it's not that it's bad. It's just some people will not have greens or they will have greens with the meat inside. You can substitute some of these things. And then also everybody's not making stuff from scratch anymore. So that's really mm. the issue because back in slavery days, people were literally killing the chicken that night and like we're making we're having chicken that's how we got this chicken nowadays there's so much crap in the food like it's not this we're not eating the same food like there's no mm-hmm. i don't want to say there's no people doing it from scratch but it's like a completely different world so processed yeah but that's how she died and i i really wanted yeah. them I know they had the garden because they're like, oh, we have the garden, like Terry's in the garden, like at the end and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but some of those things is like, OK, like we eat in the same food that led to her getting the diabetes and also like having more conversations about health in mm-hmm. our communities because there's a lot of fear of doctors, which is why mm-hmm. like a lot of elderly people, especially black men, will be like, I'm not going to the doctor. I don't want to go. Like, I've had horrible experiences at the doctor. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like at the gyno with, like, white women. So, like, I get why you would be like, well, it's my time. Like, if it's my time, it's my time. I'm old. Mm-hmm. Like, so I, I get that. But, like, I think about that when I think about the movie. is just, like, black health, food health, mm-hmm. and also, like, families. Like, how do you, how do you, communicate with your family and it was really messed up it was really messed up you don't take your sister's man you really don't that's like (laughs) written by a man written by a man because that's like their fantasy is like sleeping with everybody in family like so (laughs) i need to get around to all the sisters Uh, right (laughs) well i i want to talk more about the theme of food obviously it's the name of the movie i think it's like super well contextualized within the movie that mm-hmm. not only is soul food integral to this family but to black culture in general but yeah the way that it affects mama joe is like i was like what is he trying to get at there like i i guess that it's open to discussion i was looking up interviews to see if george tillman junior had spoken to why he made that choice for her character um Mm. and I was kind of unclear on it like I I don't necessarily object to it because it's like of course diabetes like is an issue that a lot of people have and you don't see it put on film very often I, I went down a rabbit hole of like how often do you see a diabetic character and usually whenever you do which I guess this movie isn't an exception to it's as a plot point where eventually they will mm. be severely affected by or die as a result of diabetes. There's very few examples of a character that just has diabetes and mm-hmm. is treating it or is just sort of living as a person with diabetes. Right. I feel for Mama Joe so terribly because of her understandable issues with doctors and but the way that yeah I I was how did everybody feel about the way that that plot point was treated I feel like sometimes in family dramas in general there's a lot of like well we have to sort of take out the matriarch or the patriarch and watch the rest of the family go wild Mm -hmm. in their absence which at least I don't know like that feels true to life that's certainly been true in in my experience where 
you know, like your grandparent dies and all these traditions go with them if mm. your family is messy and can't keep up with them. Um, no, that happened in my but family yeah, too. Specifically choosing diabetes. It was an interesting choice and I didn't quite know what to make of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially because that's the thing that basically like tears the family apart. Like you said, it's the, the plot point that instigates a lot of this family melodrama and I feel like a lot of depictions of diabetes come with some form of shame like oh if the character hadn't eaten this way or had this diet or you know made this this and this choice they wouldn't have diabetes I don't think the movie is explicitly shaming her but I don't know like the optics of like she has Diabetes. There is a line and then, that explicitly does say that, though. I'm, I don't remember if it was voiceover oh, narration right. or a character speaking to her where they're like, Mom, we told you to blah, 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 blah with the food. I think taking <laughs> right, 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 the right. medicine, too. Was she, like, not taking her medicine or something Yeah, like I think that? they say, like, you you need to take your insulin or so, something along those lines. And, again, it's super understandable that Big Mama would be wary of doctors because there is so much institutionalized racism in the medical field, but it does almost feel like the movie's kind of shaming her for her choices with health and diet and and things like that. Yeah, yeah. In a a movie where I felt like not a ton of plot points were really dropped, that felt like one of them where I was like, that's... Sorry, my cat's walking through my armpits. (laughs) Um... (laughs) That's one. <laughs> yeah, he's going to be also pretty loud mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. because he's going to want some attention. He's um, hungry for Sunday dinner, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he wants some collard um, greens. Yeah, I, I guess it was just, I don't think it was done maliciously, but it, it just felt like a plot point right. that could have been explored a little bit more in a way that would have been more fair to the character who's clearly a character that everyone in the story loves um and if she wasn't taking the insulin you know it would have been at least interesting to explore why because i feel like it's presented sort of in a more judgmental way than maybe was intended but i don't know i I could be overthinking it too Mm -hmm. i think also we didn't have those conversations i don't want to say we didn't have those conversations but in the public sphere we're having those conversations way Mm -hmm. more than yeah, we were yeah, like it was sure. like certain communities were having these conversations and now like we're all talking like black maternal health like everybody's talking about it it's not just black women anymore so mm-hmm. i think the time the times have changed as as well for yeah. sure yeah because yeah we're in this movie came out 26 years ago now um oh, so 97 the same year that titanic came out anyway wow um, <laughs> just have to shout that out obviously um so but yeah i i do appreciate that there's such a strong focus though uh, as you were saying nadia on the sisters and their dynamic because it's just so so different like super different very distinguishable and it's just rare in general for a movie to be about a group of sisters and even rarer for a movie written and directed by a man, but he like George Tillman Jr. very deliberately wanted to make a movie that had a focus on female characters. He wanted it to be about the importance of family. He told the Chicago Tribune in 
an interview, quote, I wanted to make a movie about a black family in middle America. I wanted to make a film where everyone can look at them and say, this is my family, unquote. So he, you know, he just, he wanted to make this movie about a relatable family and one that focused on the sisters and not only their like interpersonal relationships, but then their subplots with their other, you know, their spouses and their careers and and things like that. So I appreciate that there's just like so much focus on all of that in a way that feels extremely authentic, like their relationships, their conflicts. You could argue that it's that tired trope of like two women not getting along because one like, quote unquote stole the other's man. Um I feel like that I not to because I do think that there are elements of how women are written in this movie that feel very like boing a woman did not write this and I can tell. (laughs) Um but I I I don't know. I'm gonna jump to his defense a little bit there because they're sisters and like Mm. how we very often see if there's infidelity and there's a woman and a man and it's like someone's husband cheated on them with another woman. We see in movies, especially of the nineties that she is only mad at the other woman and the husband is like, well, he couldn't help himself. She tempted him. And that's Mm -hmm. the story we kind of hear over and over. I do think the dynamics are different. If it's someone that you've known your whole entire life because it's almost like you would want more loyalty from your I would I would expect more loyalty from my sister sister, than from my husband (laughs) I I also agree um and I did appreciate like that Terry was more upset she wasn't upset with Faith not really yeah there's a quick moment where when she has the butcher knife that she's wielding at her husband she kind of like pivots a little bit and kind of waves it at Faith but other than that she's like uh, well, I don't know. There's a few moments where she's like, you know, I let like fuck the whole like yeah, monologue like, where she's like, fuck the family. I let the family, let the family into my, in my house, house and, and my family, my fuck family my husband. fucked my husband. Like, so-, <laughs> <laughs> so she is targeting some of her anger, to, but I don't think it's necessarily that thing that you were talking about, Jamie, as far as like, oh, I'm directing my anger only at the other woman because there's this. I mean, we've talked about this quite a bit and we I think we talked about it a lot on the like waiting to exhale episode where the one who had been cheated on targets all of her anger to the other woman and like letting the man who did the cheating mostly off the hook which often has just like sexist implications as far as like well women can't get along and women are so petty so obviously they're going to find any excuse to be mad at each other that's not quite what's happening here because it's like well she's just mad at everyone for betraying her she's right she doesn't she's like you're my family you can't betray me like that you're my husband you can't betray me like that yeah and then also like what did she have to give up to be everything to everybody in this family because everybody has their own little things that they're into uh with bird in the salon like she's working but i get the idea that She's working at this job because it's very lucrative and it allows her to like mm-hmm. fulfill her responsibilities. But like if she didn't have to have that role, how would she be? Because in the position she's in, she's not going to be like, hey, guys, what's up? Like, you know, like she has right. to remember dates, doctor's appointments, when we have to pay all these bills. Like, you know, her husband's out 
doing jazz club things and like <laughs> fucking the right. cousin. Like, you know, she's taking a mod when even though Maxine took her man, she's mm-hmm. the aunt that takes him out and does, you know, make sure he has what he needs. So mm-hmm. it's like that's how she's going to be considering right. the environment. That's the thing where like I feel like so many women are blamed for like just doing the labor that it takes to keep a family together. Cause right. she's like, she's doing household labor. She's doing familial labor. She's like financial. She's like the main She's out here trying to scare this man. So he don't beat up her sister. She's, she's doing all the she's things. Like she's exactly. like, she's like, I need, I need you to do something because he not going to beat up on her yeah. like that. And then she got to go and find a lawyer to get the man. <laughs> She's doing literally everything. and But it's the way that like a woman like that will often be perceived either just in real life or in media as being like frigid. I yeah. really think the movie wants you to think that, oh, she's got to stick up her ass. She's mm-hmm. like, not only do like her family not acknowledge everything she's doing for them, but like neither does the movie, it feels like. But also not in a way that it's like we should yeah, be grateful for everything she's doing to help. It's true. And then also the world, like to be a black woman in a corporate space like that, who do you Mm -hmm. have to be to be actually successful? She has a corner office. She's not, she doesn't have a cubicle. Like she's a boss for real, for real. She's like about to make partner and stuff. Right. So like, what does it take to be that person? But I think a lot of the audience, like nowadays, like back in the day, it was like, oh, Terry. You know, now everybody's everybody's on Terry's side. Everybody's like, yo. <laughs> yeah, we've said it before. We'll say it again. Terry did nothing wrong, but the you, the Terry. movie is treating her as though she's this uppity, mm-hmm. frigid woman. And yes, she is like, again, holding her degree and her accolades and her money over people the way that like oftentimes a family member with more money will kind of try to exert that power in a way which is like not great we don't love to see it right and I totally understand why family members that had less than her would be somewhat resentful of that like I I think Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've been on any side of that family dynamic it's always going to be really tricky it seems like sometimes Terry wants to be acknowledged for what she's bringing to the table and it's being taken as punitive or insulting mm-hmm. in a way that it just feels like more of a communication issue because I don't think anyone in, is necessarily wrong. Like, I don't think Bird is being an asshole by being like, I don't need to thank you every second for <laughs> investing in my beauty shop, which mm-hmm. is very successful. Mm-hmm. And I also don't think that Terry is a monster for wanting to be acknowledged for having done that. And so it just feels like, Sisterly communication. For sure. But also, it's also on the mother. A lot of times, like, the mom put Terry in that position. She should have never been in a position where she had to be maternal to her sisters, especially if they had a father. Like, why is Terry doing all of this, you know, if you have a husband? We didn't even get into that. Like, the movie doesn't get into that. They don't address Mm -mm. that. Like, because Terry's a parentified child. Like, she didn't get to be just a sister. Like, she has right. to take care of her mother, her sisters, her sister's kids, her uncle, her husband. 
Like, so yeah. that isn't addressed. Um, mm-hmm. And I just think people don't realize, like, how much work it is to be, like, the oldest daughter. Yeah. Yes. For sure. Do we have any oldest daughters in the house? I'm an oldest daughter. Okay, same. <laughs> yeah. I'm a middle um, child. <laughs> Sorry about ugh. that. Unbelievable. I know. No, so I, rude. Again, it's just like a very specific stage of life thing. But I do feel like, yeah, like oldest kids, it's a oldest very unique girls. dynamic. And sometimes you come off as maternalistic and like you're trying to take care of everybody. But usually, like sometimes, and it seems like with Terry, this was the case at different points, like you saw kind of the worst of it, where it's alluded to a few times that girl's father, Joe's husband, had a gambling problem and that this was something that really deeply affected their family. Mm-hmm. And I think based on the timeline that's described that the eldest would have been the most exposed to that and how it affected the family in right. a very particular way. And I do think that like when you grow up in a family with addiction or infidelity or just a very strong core issue, the mm-hmm. eldest absorbs a lot of that. And the way that they process it is not always good, but I do think it is like relevant to who Terry is, that it's, it yeah. makes total sense to me that she both wants to and seems like she like genuinely wants to take care of her family. Like she doesn't right. dislike her family. She just feels unappreciated. Mm-hmm. But also like it's also because she's a woman, because if there was an older boy, he would not have the same responsibilities. Like I even True. have friends who are they're the oldest girl and they have older brothers and they take care of their older brothers, you know. So it's like they don't mm-hmm. get to be the middle kid, you know, or the youngest if they're the oldest girl, because yeah. oh, now you're a mother. Now you have labor to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. that's actually familiar to me because i have an older brother oh. and a younger sister and so <laughs> so you're um, technically so we're all kindred yeah. spirits yeah yes <laughs> yeah parents about children here hello uh-huh. we need a break <laughs> we need a massage i wish there would have been there would have been more acknowledgement of like everything that terry does for the family every like it's contextualized why she is the way that she is, but it's not necessarily explicitly, those connections aren't necessarily explicitly made. And it's just like, Terry needs to lighten up. (laughs) And it's like, well, let's explore maybe what she's going through. Right. Can Mm -hmm. we? Let's take a quick break and then we'll come back for more discussion. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. 
Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. And we are back. Could we talk about the aspect of the story of Lem losing his job and his difficulty finding another one because there's an awful lot to talk about here. It's a pretty big focal point of the movie that Lem has gotten fired because his employer found out that he lied on his application about having a criminal record. Um, And then Lem has difficulty finding another job because he starts telling the truth on his applications about having been convicted of a crime. And so he's having trouble landing another job, um, not only because he has a criminal record, but specifically because he's a black man with a criminal record. Because, I mean, black people with the same qualifications as their white counterparts are often less likely to be offered jobs than white people. And then black people with a criminal record are statistically way less likely to be offered a job than white people with a criminal record. So we see this manifesting in Lem's character and he's talking to Bird about how like I lied on the application, like I'm doing this and like I'm ha- I'm struggling with this because it's about this bullshit system. He says something like they lock you up and expect you to do something better with your life. But when you get out, there isn't anything better because like the white people who have everything don't give you a second chance. And then bird is like, that's bullshit. Like stop using the white man as an excuse, which surprised me that she took that stance because like Lem is absolutely right. It has everything to do with systemic racism but I also feel like Bird's response to that is her holding on to these biases when it comes to rigid gender roles and what she mm-hmm. expects of a man having to be like the provider because that becomes this whole other component of the story where Lem goes to Kenny and Kenny's like, don't tell your wife that you're unemployed, like never tell a black woman that you don't have a job. You know, it's all right for them to lie around the house. Mm -hmm. um, But like not the man. And even if you're doing household work, like they won't respect you unless you have a job out in the world earning money, which again, like just like speaks to like these rigid gender roles that both that like men and women harbor because like patriarchy conditions, all genders to, hold on to these like certain expectations where 
I don't know, like the men, (laughs) the men have some messed up values in this movie, but so do the women, like women, like bird, not valuing like uh, her husband doing household labor. And she's conditioned to think like, well, that's like a woman's work and men shouldn't be doing that. Men should be going out and earning. So I don't know, like the movie starts to comment on this, but then where it lands feels kind of dissonant because it comes down on the side of like reinforcing those gender Mm -hmm. expectations because of like how forgiving it is to various male characters after they've displayed some pretty nasty behavior. Right. Right. So I don't know. It's it, it feels like all over the place. I wish it had like kind of made some more definitive statements about how like, wow, these gender roles that are forced upon us and these expectations based on gender, they're so rigid. Can't we like just do whatever we're able to do to participate and help with the family unit? But certain characters are just like holding too tightly onto certain expectations and and then you have like Lem like being abusive to multiple people and everyone's just like that's just his good. personality <laughs> yeah like but i also feel like it's respectability politics like it's like mm. you have to be a good boy and a good girl in this world and this is what it looks like for a mm. black person to be good like terry is good you know she does a good job she's making a lot of money she's a lawyer she gets a check with Maxine, I think Maxine is a stay-at-home mom. Yes. Um, she's a stay-at-home mom, but I do think she is smart. Like, I always thought, like, why is she a stay-at-home mom? She could do so many cool things. Like, she has all mm. of these skills, but she's a stay-at-home mom, and that's, like, her role. And with Lynn, like, I was like, I understand. Bird is like, okay, you got to don't use that as an excuse because growing up, like I grew up with a lot of guys in in and out of juvie and they would Mm -hmm. make so many excuses, but you would give them an opportunity like, oh, why don't you try this? You have this skill here, like go a little further and they wouldn't do it. They wouldn't Mm -hmm. even put the effort in to make Mm -hmm. those changes. So I'm a little mixed on that, but definitely chock full of respectability in the mm-hmm. society, like there are a lot of like boxes that people are stuck in, like uh, with Terry's husband not being allowed to be an artist, like it not even being a serious right. conversation. Because he's actually, he's actually very talented, which is why <laughs> Faith and him connected because they're both very talented artists. Right. Um, and I think was it Casey and JoJo I'm at the at, it was like. <laughs> This is crazy. Like, you're really good. Like, so it's like, but that wasn't even a real option because it's like, you can't be a musician, even though you are good. Like, he could have probably been one of the top pianists or whatever, like traveling Mm -hmm. the world, making a bunch of money, but that wasn't accessible where like he lived and stuff like that. So I feel like there's a lot of respectability in a movie, but that also Mm -hmm. like reflected those times and what people were proud mm-hmm. of what you could be proud of like ah uh, like i can't be proud of you as a musician because uh, like i'd rather you do your corporate job like you mm-hmm. you have more value there you know mm-hmm. instead of like being an artist 
Terry even puts a number on it. She's like 31,000 of the blah, blah, blah in our joint account is yours. Right. Yes. She's like putting a value on him, a monetary, like specific number value on him. Well, she would know. She's paying all the bills. Yeah. Right. He's not paying no bills. So it's like, it's like, yeah, but if he was a musician who was handling things, Mm-hmm. Like, what if he was handling things? Like, what if he was doing shows and he you was like, a, you I got make it. a lot of money. Don't worry about the house. I got mm-hmm. it. Don't worry about Ahmad's tuition or whatever she's doing. Because I know she's paying bills with yeah. Mexican. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, I, I got it. Like, so it's also, you want to be this musician, but you're still leaning so heavy we got to get away from Terry because we're like, it's becoming it's the- so hard. Terry is a nuclear rod, but it's like, but with the, I'm, I'm so invested in Terry <laughs> where I wonder in her relationship, would she have been more willing and amenable to supporting her husband's musical ambitions if she felt appreciated by him in the first mm. place? Because it does seem like with Terry, there is this inherent I don't know. And I think that this is like something that exists in a lot of successful women, an inherent insecurity of like, how am I viewed? And if someone is threatened by me, what is the quote unquote consequence of that? Which I think mm-hmm. is very much a thing and it shouldn't mm. be, but I, I, it like Terry's reactions as, as I think sometimes harsh as they can seem. And I think as they are perceived in the movies, I don't know. Like, I, I, I do wonder, and we don't have a ton of context for that of like, well, how has he behaved for this entire relationship? Right. Is he right. saying that I am not that it's her place to block his dreams, but they're in a partnership and she has to take on some financial burden and she deserves to know right. if that's something that is happening. And it feels like that goes unexplored a little. Yeah. He took five grand out of their account to like build his at home studio without consulting her. (laughs) And that's not just their money. That's also their house. You're like, you can't just do something like that to the house. Yeah. (sighs) Right. And it's like, yeah, yeah. It's like, it would be one thing if he was like, Hey babe, I'm interested in pursuing music. Like, would you entertain the idea of like me building this home studio? It's going to be an investment, but like I'll use my money and like, you know, having just an open conversation about it. But instead that discussion. Yeah. He just goes behind her back and doesn't have an open conversation about it all. And then he resents when she's not more supportive, but it's like, well, like you put her in this position where you're not being open and honest with her. So yeah, I understand her not being fully supportive. And even though this is not Miles's fault, we have context for Terry that she has serious trust issues with people because of this experience with her sister. Right. And so that is not on Miles, but that is context for how Terry behaves in situations like that where I feel like she shuts down and like absorbs a lot and comes off really defensive. I feel so much for Terry. Justice for Terry. Terry. We see her get cheated on in two different scenes by two different people. Let her have her butcher knife. That are supposed (sighs) women, and these are women in her family. These are not her friends. This is not her teachers. This is not her, the girl who works at the Dairy Queen. It's like, this is my sister and this is my cousin. Yeah. Right. And I do think that, yeah, like the way that this conversation goes around 
infidelity would be different if it was the girl at the Dairy Queen or like someone that we don't know and don't see again because mm-hmm. then it feels more woman versus woman. But it's like Terry, I don't know. And then even at the end, I was like, wow, no justice for Terry where they're like, Terry and Miles broke up, but Miles was still around a lot. I know. And, I was like, why and are you're you like, around? Why? <laughs> Who Get out of here. Um, yeah. Does Terry want to Does anyone care? Anyway. It's probably... Uh, Ahmad just being like, hey, Uncle Miles. I know, I know. It's like, Ahmad, quit inviting people who no one else wants around. Paying for your boarding school (laughs) right now. Yeah. Who's Um, paying for basketball practice, right? So, because you want to be a basketball player? Like, because he wants to be Space. He wants to be baby Michael Jordan. Jordan. (laughs) Right, right, right. That's his dream. (laughs) And it works. Spoil alert for Space Jam. Yeah, he um, did. He did Michael a great Jordan. job. Good yeah. for him. Um, Shout out to Terry but, and all the work she did so he could become an NBA basketball player. It's true. Without Terry, we wouldn't have Michael Jordan. And no one <laughs> talks about that. Terry going underappreciated again. Yes. Damn. <sighs> I think another clue that this was written and directed by a man is, and I alluded to this already, but how easily so many of the men are like let off the hook by the end Mm. as far as like i mean to me the biggest example is lem where he like goes ballistic multiple times like beating people up shoving his wife like being so emasculated and acting out in violent ways like and then everyone's like well even like maxine defense him she's talking to bird and she's like you can't go behind your man's back and And have your ex get a job for him like a man has to be a man and he if he feels like you took that away from him then he has nothing which like again don't go behind people's backs and do things that's the thing that it seems like everyone in this family needs to learn because ahmad does it miles does it bird does it everyone's doing it all the time so really this family just needs to learn how to communicate but I'm just like, Maxine, Don't like, we all. why are you defending this guy who, like, feels so emasculated for, like, I mean, pretty dated reasons. Of course, like, this was the mentality of the time. Not that that excuses anything, but I don't know, for her to, like, lightly defend <laughs> Lem. Yeah, I mean, as far as Lem goes, I found it frustrating because I feel like, like we were just talking about, Lem's character illustrates so many realities about incarcerated black men trying to re-enter society mm-hmm. in a way that is fair and how there's so much I mean I think we see him encounter the most direct racism of anyone in the movie and mm-hmm. I appreciated at the beginning of this conversation the dynamic between him and Bird where it's like she doesn't quite get it but she wants to, and it seems like this is something that they want to work on within their relationship. And that all felt like, wow, that was like really well done. But then I was really frustrated with where they took his character from there because he is abusive towards her, like Mm -hmm. outright. Mm -hmm. And then when he comes back at the end of the movie, he even talks with Ahmad, a child, and is like, I would never hit a woman. And you're Mm -hmm. like, um but I've been watching this whole movie and I don't want to like put it squarely on this movie or this filmmaker. Cause I do think it's like an of the time thing, mm-hmm. but like the definition of what constitutes 
spousal abuse and assault feels very off. Mm-hmm. Like he, there's no question. I think in like a modern lens that what Lem did to Bird was extremely abusive. And then he came yeah. back and was like, "Well, I didn't, you know, strike her across the face, and I would never do that, and that's my boundary, so it's fine, and I so should I'm be welcome back." Which he was immediately, and it was and just everyone like, agrees. Yeah, it made that character so frustrating yeah and i know like some of the things that like bird couldn't understand was also because of how supportive her family had been to her and she's the baby you know she's so protected which is like why of course you're gonna go find this dude like you know you could have been anybody else everybody wants you and you how'd y'all meet was he in jail like i I was always like did you meet him in jail yeah like because i feel like you know women meet people in jail like which is it happens how'd you meet this guy okay cool but i think lim doesn't have family and Mm -hmm. i think that has become his family and he has to learn how to be in a family because he's so Mm -hmm. used to defending himself even to people who i'm sure are supposed to be in his corner and i i get that i've seen that a lot in like some of the people i know who've been in and out of jail they have a hard time trusting people you know and believing that somebody loves and cares and stuff like that so they kind of like do the same things and they know it's them but it's hard to like break that cycle within yourself so i i feel like he definitely was abusive and that would be in a, a hard household to live in like to bring if you like you're literally trying to trying to intimidate her physically like mm-hmm. you're trying to scare her you're trying to intimidate her physically you're doing it all these people know who you are we see what you're doing and he needs he needs i don't want to say more he need more than therapy but i felt really annoyed that getting a, him a job was supposed to be a bad thing it's like isn't that proof that you love this person so much and you want them to be okay that you would literally go to the person you shouldn't be going to to get him a job and she's not sleeping with the man Mm-mm. she not she not giving him no punani to get the job <laughs> she's just gonna go to dinner with him that's you know which it's is like, also it's like, like not a fair position for her to be in and a right. huge concession on her end because we know she does not want to be around this guy at all exactly and I can get as far with Lem in that situation of him being angry about the lie and angry about feeling like, because it feels like Lem has a deep-seated issue with feeling like someone's doing him a favor. He wants to feel mm-hmm. like it's just happened organically. or And I understand that. Like, that makes sense. And I can understand, like, finding that out, especially from the asshole that did it, who was clearly egging him on and clearly wanted him to be angry Mm -hmm. and clearly wanted to fire him. I can understand why that would be upsetting, but it's like, how is the answer to attack your wife without talking to her first? But it just feels like Lem's really left off the hook for... Yeah, like, okay, like, we know you can't... You're a jailbird, so we know that's what to expect. Right, like it seems like it's unfair to Bird and to Lem because it's like Lem is playing into the exact stereotypes that his character has been pushing against the entire movie. Mm -hmm. And then Bird and the whole family are like, oh, well, he didn't strike her across the face. So I know he didn't punch her. He's a good guy. So, which Mm -hmm. I was really, yeah, that was like, I think that was like the big thing that stood out to me as like a really dated. Yeah. Yeah. 
view of abuse. And then Maxine, I, I it's so interesting because she's a very important character, but I feel like she gets the least screen time of the sisters. And she doesn't have quite the same arc or s- subplot that Bird plus Lem and Terry plus Miles get. And I mean, maybe I'm just like in discourse brain wormhole here. So stop <laughs> me if this feels off. But I, I was feeling like because Maxine has sort of less of an arc than the other sisters, she's pretty consistent in um, her views story. Her, her marriage is stable. Like seems like she's generally like, okay. And her as sort of the mother of the family. And she's told you are the wise one. She seems sort of like the chosen one by her own mother as like the new matriarch of the family. Mm. And she's also the character to deliver this kind of like retro view of gender at the end of the movie. And it felt pointed Mm. to me that it's like the new matriarch and the only mother of this group of sisters thus far is also the one that thinks that you should let a man be a man and don't get in the way of him being a man. It just felt like symbolic in a way that felt a little icky to me like and it didn't wreck anything but it just it feels like again team terry of like how it sort of i don't know i think led to believe that like terry's professional life is part of why her marriage doesn't work right and it's maxine's commitment to her family that is why she is the chosen one and that she Mm -hmm. because she lets a man be a man she's the only one that has a stable marriage and And she don't have a job right which is fine but it's like it just felt weird for the one sister that was the stay-at-home mom to be the moral authority in who's not in the actual world doesn't have to pay any bills doesn't have like if shit goes to fans she's just gonna call terry like, you know, so... That is true. <laughs> I feel like her role in the movie is totally bomb. Like, every, like even when she has that scene with Ahmad, talking about, like, what he wants to do and how he wants to get the family together when they're walking. Mm-hmm. I love that scene, too. Like, I was like, oh, it's so sweet. cool. So Coolest She's like, I was world. in labor with you for 23 hours, 45 minutes, and 10 seconds. <laughs> yeah. it, and he, like, recites it along with her as if she tells him this mm-hmm. at least once a week. <laughs> classic mom behavior my mom used to do that too with my sister she's like you guys are not three years apart you're 11 months 12 days and like what is it 13 or something like that it's like it's like she has all of the like how far apart we are so like i i love that but i'm just like Mm -hmm. her role is really mother it's like Mm -hmm. mother but it's not real without the responsibility of mother it's like, well, I, don't, I don't even have an issue with her being a stay-at-home mom. I feel like any time, though, that you have a spread of characters and you have a stay-at-home mother and you have a professional who doesn't have kids or you have, like, a spread of different kinds of characters, when any one character is made to be, like, the moral voice of the movie – because I feel like there's a lot of modern movies that have the reverse problem where it's, like – being the childless professional, you are the moral authority, which is also unfair to right. people making other choices. But it's just like any right. anytime mm-hmm. one true. character has made the moral authority, it feels pointed, even if it's not quite intended that way. I couldn't tell if it was intended, but I felt like the stay-at-home mom being like, 
I'm doing the right thing because I'm doing what a woman is supposed to do. And mm. it just felt like it erased other stuff, which is uh, well, an oversimplification. But. No, but I, I agree. And not only like her being poised as the moral authority character, but her being the only one of the three sisters to not have a more distinct arc and like thing that she was dealing with. So to me, it feels like, oh, the mother character, like, we don't really need to check in with her and see what is happening in her life. She'll be in scenes, but like, we don't really need to give her like a fleshed out storyline. It just doing also feels mom stuff. Right. right. Which probably like, has to do with a man writing the movies. Like, ah, it, she's yeah. doing mom stuff. Yeah, he probably literally <laughs> has no clue what a new mother. Right. Yeah, doing. he probably <laughs> literally couldn't even tell you like what their life would be like as a new mom, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Because she has two young kids. Ahmad's sister, I know we learn her name, but also she's such a nothing character. Yeah. She's like in a couple scenes where we see her eating, but I don't think she has any lines. Maybe it's just because like she's six, and they're like we don't child actors. Or I know something, they're like but... enough, enough lines. We give the grown folks <laughs> get lines. Like, she's very cute. One, but... one kid already. Yeah. yeah, she gets no anything. And then, but yeah, the, why isn't there a story where Maxine is dealing with something in her life, whether mm-hmm. it is related to motherhood, whether it's related to her relationship with Kenny, maybe right. it's her relationship with her son. Like, why isn't there something more that we're given, but instead she just is kind of like, popping in now and then to be like let me reinforce rigid gender expectations okay bye yeah and i don't and it felt also pointed that that conversation is between maxine and bird after bird finds out that she's pregnant because now bird's gonna be a mother and she's like let me pass down this institutional maternal knowledge let (sighs) men do whatever they want (laughs) bye like in a way, I don't know. It felt very, that scene specifically, even though I liked the sister dynamic, but that scene specifically felt the most obviously written by a man to me. Because even if that is the way that a woman feels as a writer, I feel like there would be more nuance to it than just like a man needs to be a man. And what's happening to Terry and what happened to Terry is because she didn't let a man be a man. And right. you're like, that's your yeah. sister dude come on i feel like the advice should have been like look sister like men are so fragile (laughs) and they're so easily emasculated so you need to uh find a therapist for your husband or like convince him to go to therapy or something like that should have been the advice yeah and it would be like or y'all need to have better communication right because y'all need to really talk because y'all on different pages yeah, yeah, because that scene also felt like Maxine was like tacitly okay with how abusive Lem was towards Bird, and right a way that also felt unfair to a character we love. I don't know. Yeah, Maxine was a all over the place for me because it's like it's Vivica A. Fox, so I'm on board. Right, like, it's going to be really hard to turn me against this character. Right, love <laughs> like, but her actions to me are way because it's like she's obviously a great mom and Mm -hmm. it seems like she really enjoys being a stay-at-home mom which is great but it yeah there is like this sort of edge of judgment towards women who are not stay-at-home moms and I feel like that also 
tied into, I think Mama Jo is a stay-at-home mother as well. And she was Mm -hmm. the person who held the family together. And she passes that role on to the stay-at-home mother. And and it just is, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure that that does happen in families, but it would have been cool to see it explored a little more than it Mm -hmm. is. Mm-hmm. Oh, we do get a little mention from Mama Joe that she she said, like, I worked on my hands and knees. Like, I think she oh. said something like cleaning up after white folk. Oh, yes, yes. But it, it feels like maybe she did that in response to her husband's gambling, gambling and they were in debt. Yeah. So maybe she was a stay at home mom for a while, but then had to start working um, for those reasons. <sighs> Unclear. We, we don't get a right. whole lot of the details of her backstory. And then is it also Maxine? Now I feel like I'm becoming anti-Maxine. It's not how I actually (laughs) feel. But isn't it also Maxine who is like, well, when our father got us deep into debt gambling, mom took care of it and she didn't say a thing about it and she didn't humiliate or emasculate him oh, I think it for is having Maxine. caused that problem and she was right to do that. And it's like... It is not women's responsibility to clean up of the, the messes. messes that men make. Right. right. And it, that wasn't fair to Mama Joe, but it right. felt yeah. like the movie felt like it was. Right. Yeah. Like that was her responsibility as a wife. Right. Mm-hmm. Very um, 90s and before mentality for sure the other man who i feel like is really let off the hook is <laughs> reverend williams <laughs> who is a pervert he's always trying to kiss women without their consent he's always saying gross like very sexually charged things such as meat he calls them meat at one point <laughs> and he's like oh yeah. we're about to eat these delicious legs under the table i mean on the table and it's like right. sir um, but this is like played as a joke by the movie. Like, oh, yeah, Reverend, he's a creep, but isn't it funny? And it's like, no, get this guy away he's a from Reverend. Him. That felt very '90s to me. I was yeah. like, that's very like '90s comedy. '90s wow. for sure, because y'all remember Martin? Mm-hmm. You remember mm-hmm. Jerome? I had mm-hmm. Jerome in the house watching out. That's all he did was being nasty. That's all his character was being a nasty man and it was it was a joke. Like it yeah. wasn't like, yo, like we need to talk to this dude. He's feeling all the girls in the club. Like we gotta stop you. Like, you know, mm-hmm. what are you doing? They're not gonna come back out if you keep treating them like this. Why are you treating women like this and that's your whole personality? That's that was his personality. So, that's like, his character. Yeah. Was being a like, creep. Yeah. That's so many it's like, God, I feel like across like for generations there have been so many famous like comedy characters or just sitcom characters that are just like man who sexually harasses people i mean it's it's the quagmire um (laughs) paradox (laughs) to bring things to family guy for no reason but it's just like that's the joke is that he's creepy and awful to women which is not unique Mm -hmm. to this movie certainly but it's like well if the cast didn't confirm that this movie is firmly 1997 that character does. Yeah. I want to rattle off a couple other very like 90s mentality things that appear in the movie. We've got, let's see, Bird's real name is Ryla, but there's voiceover that says, we call her Bird because she used to be skinny. And it's like, uh, I'm sorry, I'm looking at Nia Long right now and she's thin. What do you, I don't, I don't know. There's like a very sex work shamey mentality because there's a reference to how Faith used to be a stripper 
And everyone's very, very judgmental of that. And she's also, and we've talked about this before, like, because there's such a huge stigma around sex work and even people who have done sex work may internalize that shame because of just all the external shame. Because she says at a certain point, like, she's talking about her career goals with Miles and she's like, I want to dance. No, I mean, really dance. Like I want to do Broadway musicals as if like doing erotic dance is not quote unquote real work kind of thing. So she's like internalizing that. I think there's like a number of tropes attached to her as a former or current, it's unclear stripper or sex worker to any capacity because it's also implied that like, I think this is another common trope with sex workers is like, they're going to steal your boyfriend where it's like, oh, they're at work. (laughs) They do not want to fuck your weird husband. (laughs) Like, believe it. Um, And also that they're like reckless and bad with money and these agents of chaos and the way that I think faith is pretty uncritically shown and I think that faith is a bad cousin like she Mm -hmm. is and I understand why Terry fucking hates her but it feels like the way that she's characterized is also like pretty steeped in a lot of tropes around like erotic dancers and strippers in general where Mm -hmm. it's like realistically in the real world like I don't know I think it's more interesting if it's just like she is interested in Miles because he takes her art seriously and she takes his art seriously and there's no one in their family that feels that way so that connection even makes total sense to me Mm -hmm. but it feels like there's just like tropes around it that made it messier than it needed to be for sure and I think she carries that shame too like she you know Mm -hmm. when she goes in the house like I think Mama Joe is like, you can stay. Like, and then everybody's like, you can stay. You can stay. Like, she knows she's not wanted. She knows, mm-hmm. like, she, you know, she's kind of not supposed to be there, and she has to be like validated in that space. Mm-hmm. I think it's like Maxine who validates her. Yeah. And yeah, it is a little all over the place with that. It's yeah. Like, okay, now, yeah, but you're gonna let the whole stay. Like, y'all are obsessed <laughs> with the approval of men, but but she can stay. It's yeah. confusing. And also, it's just like, God, Faith, if there's one thing you shouldn't do, it's first of all, don't... Of all the husbands, sex with Any of them, but much less the person who has agreed to host you. Like, <laughs> no, no. Beautiful dance scene, though. To... I almost feel, and maybe I'm just reading this incorrectly, but it almost feels to me like her little affair with Miles is... Like, see, Terry, this is what happens when you're Mm -hmm. not more Mm -hmm. supportive to your man, you know, and because even she at the final family dinner, when I think Maxine says something like, Terry, you need to worry about your own husband because he's out there sleeping around. And she's like, was that it? Like, did I not like care for you well enough? Was I not a good enough wife kind of thing? And then he says, like, you know, we just haven't been happy in a long time. We used to have fun with each other. And she replies with, like, yeah, I guess I don't know what happened. But, like, I guess. And it's dropped as if because it's like all of that can be true in a relationship. And it doesn't justify what he did. And it doesn't mean that Terry brought it on herself. Like, Mm -hmm. they weren't happy. So, whatever. I know it's overly simplistic to say talk about it. But, like, (laughs) you can't just be like, well, so I had no choice but to fuck your cousin. Like, (laughs) Yes, you did. You did, did, Miles. You did. (sighs) Can we talk a little bit more about 
the Gina Rivera character, and I want to especially talk about it as it relates to a piece that you wrote on Pop Sugar oh. um, called The Struggle for Afro-Latinx Visibility in Media Still Exists. Highly recommend everyone read it. Yeah. We'll uh, link it in the show notes. But the reason it's relevant here is, so the actor Gina Rivera, who plays Faith in the movie, this actor is mixed African-American and Puerto Rican. Her character does not appear to be Afro-Latina in any way. So it's an example of mm. an actor's Latinidad being erased, which is what your piece is largely about, how Afro-Latinx people are erased from media about and from Latinx communities because the media favors lighter-skinned Latinx people, how Afro-Latinx people are erased from Black communities because, uh, like in the U.S., for example, Black people, and I mean, this happens all around the world, but Black people are lumped together as a monolith and just treated as though they all have the same culture and the same background, the way that many marginalized communities are treated as a monolith. And you talk about how, you know, a lot of prominent Latinx folks in media artists, athletes, you know, things like that, their Latinidad is erased. And this is just another example, because I feel like her character could have easily been Latina because she's related to them on her mother's side, but like right. her dad could have been Afro-Latino. So... I don't know if you want to speak to that any further, but it's just something I wanted to bring up. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for that. Check it out. I really enjoyed writing that piece. It was like a lot of drama even getting there because of mm. so like it's like such a charged conversation in the global black community, like all the nuances. Like mm. I went viral in the preparation of that in a negative way. Mm. Like mm. I got dragged on Twitter. Oh, now it's oh X. But and you but, lived. And I lived and I lived. So yeah, like that's an interesting conversation. Like personally, my mom's African American, my father is the Latino one. And a lot of times I always like press Puerto Ricans because it's like, okay, you're Puerto Rican, but are you black Puerto Rican or white Puerto Rican? Because like, you know, Loisa exists, like it's like a black town, you know, like which mm -hmm. part? Arturo Schomburg was from Santuse, Puerto Rico, like, and we have the Schomburg Museum that's in Harlem right now. Um, and a lot of people don't even know that he's Puerto Rican and that like, he came mm -hmm. from Puerto Rico and that's where he started art archiving uh, black history. I think mm -hmm. the conversation is new a little bit. And I don't know why, because when we think of history, Langston Hughes was working with Afro-Puerto Rican artists in like building with them and we have this history of, of collectives but in modern times it doesn't feel that way it doesn't feel like you can talk about blackness on a global scale mm -hmm. and in media and film is very very tricky I notice like when it's a Latinx character they're usually like they can't be black it's like yeah supposed to mm -hmm. be that Afro Latinos are not supposed to exist you know, and if you are black, you are African-American. That's all you get to be. I can think of exactly one mainstream movie that prominently features an Afro-Latino character that is identified that way. And it's 
into the Spider-Verse and across the Spider-Verse and with that, Miles Morales. <laughs> that's not even a perfect situation because the guy is an African-American character and a lot of the characteristics, like his family is technically not an Afro-Latino family. Like he has a white Latina mom and an African-American father. Mm. So he's kind of Afro-Latino, but Afro-Latinos have black parents. That's normal. Mm. Like, it's normal to have black parents in Latin America. Like, that's like a very normal thing. Mm -hmm. And I think it goes down to just like the storytellers. It's really difficult for Afro-Latinx people to get into these opportunities. As you guys know, Hollywood mm -hmm. is a grind for any person. But having all these different identities, it gets really difficult to explain to Americans who you are when, as a black person, you're not supposed to have all of this stuff going on for me. Like that's why I started my company, Black Dina Media, because I mm -hmm. wanted us to be celebrated. I wanted our stories to be acknowledged. Um, when it comes to this, like I, I'm happy she was cast for the role period. And a lot of like Afro Latinx people in general, if they are black presenting and identify as black people, they mm -hmm. usually are playing African-American characters. Right. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't know the distinction between someone who is Afro-Latinx and African-American. I mean, I will fully admit that I did not have a good understanding of Afro-Latinx representation because I hadn't seen it really. And because, like you were just saying, Nadia, like the only you know, sort of allegedly Afro-Latinx character that we have in, in pop culture right now is still pretty muddled and misunderstood because who are the storytellers? It's still mostly right. white and people. They're there. Like Celia Cruz, I feel like she's the most known Afro-Latina in the world sphere. Like mm -hmm. her music mm -hmm. is all over the world. Like she is a, mm -hmm. a world renowned name. Christina Milian, she's Cuban. She's black. But she's also lumped as like African American, but like, oh, she's she's mixed. It's just like, oh, she must be mm -hmm. mixed. You know, and the fact that she is Cuban is enough to make her mixed. She doesn't actually have to be like not because she's mixed for real, for real, but mm -hmm. to be mixed is to not be African American. Like there's like that. I've noticed that because people are like, oh, you're mixed. It's like, I'm not mixed. Like, my mm -hmm. father is a dark-skinned black man. My mom is a dark-skinned African-American woman. But it's like, oh, no, you're mixed because your dad is Panamanian. Right. And it's you like... You be black and Panamanian. Go to Panama, things. man. You need to go <laughs> to and see all the black people that you think don't exist. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, so that... And then in Hollywood, I think, like, it's like erasure of, like just blackness in general like we're not supposed to have culture like we're not supposed to have nuanced culture because even in african-american film and television it never gets that deep um mm. unless you're talking about daughters of the dust where they talk about galagichi mm. ancestry and that mm -hmm. they wouldn't let her make another move for 20 years after she did that julie mm. dash hey julie, da yeah. julie dash is killing it now also uh is it casey lemon Oh, Casey, Lemons. Okay, so Casey Lemons. Yes. Okay, yes. Good, good, good. We've covered that on the show before. Yes. So mm -hmm. she yeah. did Ease Bayou, which talks about like the Creole mm -hmm. ancestry. We have some of these films, but blackness in film is supposed to be like you from the South. And in the South, it's not all the same. 
Like Savannah, it's still not Georgia a monolith. Not the same from Alabama, not the same as Louisiana. Which part of Louisiana you coming from? Not the same as Texas. Like you got the Black Appalachians too. Black Appalachian mm-hmm. history. Like Toni Morrison talks about like all these Black Appalachians. So mm-hmm. I think in general, when we talk about blackness, we're not allowed to have nuance. And when Black people get a little bit of power, there's all of this pressure to just like get like a tap on the shoulder by like the white executive and be like, good job, black person. Um, So people kind of erase themselves. And this happens in the Latino community all the time. Like Mm -hmm. people will erase themselves before they get a chance to even be like erased. It's like, I don't even want to go there because I don't want to have to have a conversation uh, or I don't want them to say no or maybe I've tried and somebody mm-hmm. else said no and I don't I don't want to have to go there. I just want to go straight to the top. I want to get the budget and I want them to say yes. Uh, mm-hmm. So there's a lot of things going on, but I think we need more nuance in black film in general. For sure. Also, is George Tillman Jr., is he qualified to have an Afro-Latinx character? A lot of African-Americans are so confused when it comes to Afro-Latinidad. I've worked with African-American production companies they didn't get it. They couldn't understand how a black person had an immigrant experience because the mm. immigrant experience is usually like you're not allowed to be an immigrant if you're black. Uh, so it's like, how could you? You don't understand what's going through, even though the people who are getting deported the most are black people. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. Haitians. It's, ha- it's literally Haitians getting deported the most like mm-hmm. at the border. Like those are. So it's crazy. Isn't it crazy? I just think about how many immigrant stories we get in mainstream media that are like hyper specific white immigrant communities where you can have a whole movie about Swedish immigrants. You can have a whole movie about Italian immigrants, about Irish immigrants. And there's famous movies across the board about very specific groups of white immigrants in the U S and you don't get that for a movie called Brooklyn about, (laughs) sorry, don't like (laughs) Irish immigrants. Like, have you been to Brooklyn and see what it looks like? Right. Right. (laughs) But yeah, it's, I know it's like inherent to what you do and you know it better than anybody, but it seems to have this just so much to do with who holds the institutional power and Mm -hmm. who holds the money. Mm -hmm. And those are white people who have no understanding of these issues. And so it puts so much pressure on Afro-Latinx creators. (laughs) Like it's an unfair amount of pressure to be under. It's Mm -hmm. and, And also we have to take accountability for how we present ourselves. Like, I've seen stuff created by the Latinx community is full of tropes and, you know, stereotypes. Mm. And it's like this, you got the budget and this is what you made. This mm. is where you decided to put the budget, you know? So it's, it mm. is, I don't want to just say, oh, the white people, they got all the control. They always doing this to us, you know, because it's also white Latinos. White Latinos have a lot of power. They have a lot of money. Mm-hmm. You know, why aren't white Latinos supporting uh, black Latinos? The same reason why white Americans don't support black Americans. <laughs> like, it's yeah. like, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. But I think we have to hold ourselves accountable because I've seen just living all around the world for the past like four years and being in all these different communities. It's like, I'm like, oh, wow, I see how our own actions are negatively affecting us like we are invested in the same systems killing us because we think this is going to help us you know it's like oh let let me play the game it's like mm-hmm. no you're getting played you're just getting played so i don't it's not like i have like an answer to it we just need more diversity people need to like be more confident and be more bold in storytelling and take more chances and also people want 
happy films. Everything doesn't have to be like the next specced American screenplay. It's just like people want to laugh. Can we be entertained? And mm-hmm. do you have to kill us to entertain us? Do we have do people have to die? You know, like why mm-hmm. can't we have entertainment that's like just purely entertaining with no trauma? Because a lot of yeah. the yeah. stuff I've seen in the last like five, eight years. Everything is so sad and everybody's dying, you know, yeah. and it's just like, can we just be happy? And but people are like, no, I want to show that Latinos the only do is not party. Dude, we a party people. What's wrong with <laughs> having a party? Like, it's like we're right. type people like that's what we do is Kiki. I right now I'm in Martha's <laughs> Vineyard. And what the Trini doing, what the Jamaican doing, what the black people do. We having a cookout on the beach. <laughs> there's a cookout bringing grill making co- like this is what we do this is our culture like yeah. it's okay like you know so I feel like just looking deep into ourselves and be like where am I seeking white validation why do I need to present myself in this way like mm-hmm. who is this for is this for me am I and I feel like as humans we have to always be you know critiquing ourselves uh, so we can be authentic mm-hmm. And that's yes. like, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your perspective on all that. Thanks for asking. Of yeah. course. We're fans. We're fans. Does anyone have anything else they want to talk about? Hmm. Uh, I just wanted to shout out because we obviously have discussed George Tillman Jr., prominent black director, still working, entering his second Saturn return. A lot of things to love about George Tillman Jr. I, I was looking into the production team, and I think this is a rare example of we have a majority black production team um, on this movie as well. I will say it skews heavily male. Mm. However, it seems like George Tillman Jr. was very invested in having a heavily black production crew as well. I, mm-hmm. I don't know about the actual crew, but it, in terms of the highest level, we have majority black producers. I believe we have a black cinematographer, but there's two Paul Elliott's who are cinematographers, so I'm not totally sure which uh. person. And most interestingly to me, this movie has a black editor, a man named John Carter, and I read a little bit about him, and he's like historically significant and really fucking cool. He was the um, first African-American film editor to work in New York ever. Um, so he was working oh, since wow. the 50s, and he's like a famous figure in the editing community, which... I am not a part of, so I had not heard of him before, but I really enjoyed learning about him. He like started on the Ed Sullivan show and then uh, transitioned to majority black film later in his career. And is just like this very famous, respected guy who who just died five years ago at the age of 95. So I just wanted to shout out John Carter because, yeah, I just I hadn't heard of him before. That's beautiful. Shout out to him. I think a lot like uh, I heard because when I was a little kid. You know how they say, oh, I never saw myself. Like a lot of like black actors will be like, I never saw myself on TV and that's why I'm happy. Um, so mm. when I started, said, oh, I'm going to be an actor, I really thought, I was like, I'm going to be in all the dopest films because I saw so many dope like black films, black people in TV. Uh, my mm-hmm. mom, she watched a lot of television and she loved watching like black characters, but also like women. So Xena, mm-hmm. Charmed, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, The Parkers, Girlfriends, 
half and half, all those UPN, like I didn't realize that mm. it was so bad because that part of my life, I was like growing up, the Steve Harvey show, you know, and I didn't mm. realize that these actors were grossly underpaid. I didn't realize they were not getting mm. invites to Emmys, even though they had, they all had hit shows. Like, I didn't know they, they weren't being treated the same as like their white counterparts. Mm. Um, but I learned like a lot of it was independent. And they would have different deals and the way the business worked was different in the 90s. And now, even though black people are working at, I guess, higher levels in a way, there's almost like less creative control in a lot of spaces. Mm -hmm. And so it's like you're not going to have like a black film crew because this is not your show. Like you're the showrunner, but you have to hire like this whole white crew, that's your crew. So Mm -hmm. everything is being translated differently. Whereas like with half and half, it's like, it's like all of these, like they get to change the lines, like living single. They get to, they were really involved in like the Mm -hmm. writing and stuff, even in Charmed. Uh, who's Phoebe? What's her name? Melissa Milano. Oh my God. Um, Melissa Milano. Yeah. Yeah. She was talking about how like they were really integral into writing things in, in Charmed and Charmed had a lot of like normal black characters like they weren't a bunch of tropes it wasn't like oh the scary black man is gonna come from the street like one of Mm -hmm. the episodes was a guy who had lost his wife they had recently lost the wife and the little boy developed powers and technology and the father was held hostage and that's how they ended up finding the sisters getting literal chills obviously I love movies with sisters um and they had to like save him and like tell him like hey your powers are good like you don't have to hide this you don't have to feel bad about having these powers and I don't know if they like stripped the powers or made it but the father was like a corporate guy like a nerdy corporate dad who had no clue how to handle all of this stuff he was not in the magic and there were many instances of like black characters you know I, in my opinion, even even mm-hmm. when they had like the the African, like even though they made the African stuff a little scary, like I think they made like mm-hmm. one of the guys he had like the Voodoo priestess was like scary and like you mm. know, but oh, but it it, it didn't feel like I felt like I had a space in that show too. Like I would be like mm-hmm. I could be friends with one of the sisters. Like I didn't feel like I had to go over here because they wouldn't let me in the house and they wouldn't kiki. I was like, oh, Phoebe's gonna be my bestie. Like, me and Phoebe are going on, like, a spa day. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to get crew to I, like me and work so hard, <laughs> you know, because she, she only likes hard I'm, workers. Like, so. I was obsessed with Phoebe, but I feel like I'm more of a piper, and it breaks my heart. <laughs> piper Piper was dope. They did a good job with her arc. Yeah. And she made shit happen. Someone had to do it. Mm-hmm. She became that big sis. She did. I've never seen the show. I'm so sorry. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So good. It doesn't all hold up, but Mm. the parts that do are wonderful. I'm. It gets depressing after a while. It's like, okay, guys, whoa, like, what's happening? Everything is sad. Everybody's dying all the time. Like, what happened to, like, the warlock boyfriends? Like, I want sister conflict, and I want warlock boyfriends that disappear after a week. That's what I want. And fairies. We want fairies. We want to find gold. Like, come on. Like, enough with the scary underworld magic school. Who wants to steal this kid? What? (laughs) kidnapping like 
Remember when like Wyatt was oh getting God. like I'm getting now it's becoming a charm. It's sending me back. Yeah. It's sending me back. <laughs> yeah, well speaking of soul food though, um okay. yes. <laughs> does the movie pass the Bechtel test? Yes, yes. it does. Quite a bit. They're talking about food, they're talking about cooking, they're talking a lot of it is conversations between characters who like don't necessarily get along very well mm-hmm. and it's Terry being like hey, Maxine, I'm better than you because I went to law school. But not all of those conversations are like that. And it it passes a lot. Yeah. And there's like a huge, I think, just like speaking to the spirit of the Bechdel test, there's so many women in this movie and so many Mm -hmm. like different, there's such a wide variety of women perspectives. And they, you know, while they have to deal with the men in their orbit, that's not what it's solely focused on. So right. Indeed. I'm satisfied. Yes. And then as far as our nipple scale, our scale where we rate the movie zero to five nipples based on examining it through an intersectional feminist lens. Mm. Uh, I think I'll give this, I'll give it three nipples. I'm, I'm docking it for some of the, like of the time kind of characters reinforcing pretty rigid gender roles and not really doing anything to challenge those characters like Lem, you know, engaging in some really awful behavior and being let off the hook very easily by the end and things like that. But I I love that there's a movie that centers on sisterhood and specifically black sisterhood and the joy and struggles within that. It's like a nice balance of examining these characters' lives, the positives, the negatives, and just like showing well-developed, very distinguishable from each other women. And uh, I think that's really cool. There's other things the movie handles uh, not so well that we've discussed, but I don't know. Overall, it's really cool. And I appreciate that there's a male director like this one who wanted to center women. And I think his his first uh, short that he made, I don't know if he made it when he was in, still in film school or shortly after he graduated, but it was about a single mother or am I getting that right? I don't know. It's about a woman. So he like seems to have a vested interest in telling women's stories. Yeah. And I think that his career has sort of continued in that where it's like, it's not uncommon at all. I mean, I think it's maybe an even split, but for a male director, even that's kind of incredible where he is not shy about centering women. And I think that, yeah, especially the further back you go in time, there will be the issues that we talked about where it's like, yeah. I think it's good when uh, male directors want to center women and also they should maybe, you know, get a, a co-writer who's a woman. So right. that, that uh, women I, talking to each other makes sense. I wanted to speak to that because earlier I wanted to say how things have changed because Tyler Perry gets a lot of flack for sisters because there's no writers. It's just him. And like mm. in the black community, a lot of these black male directors they do a lot of talking about black women. But Tyler Perry has also financed black women directors. So I feel Mm -hmm. like, you know, good on Tyler Perry. Uh, But (laughs) I feel like things have definitely changed now, whereas people are like, okay, if you're going to speak for us, you need to have a woman writer. Like, it can't just be y'all just telling our lives. 
So with right. recently, like there was the Best Man TV show mm-hmm. uh, with Malcolm D. Lee and gosh, I forgot this woman's name. And he had a co-writer that was a black woman. And that I think is like we're going in the right direction because there have been like there's a lot of films that are written by black men about black women that don't necessarily authentically speak to the black woman's experience. So I feel like it's great and I love soul food, but I also love that like in the future now, like black women are going to are a part of that experience, you know? Yeah. And I, and I think, yeah, things have totally changed because like Tyler Perry has gotten so much like negative vibes for sisters and people are like, why are you writing a show about four women? (laughs) <laughs> in a way that right. if it was the 90s he would have been praised for doing that yeah true i think also of mike white with um writing every season of the white lotus completely by himself and everyone's like oh these women characters are so involved and we're like but i don't think it is like overly nitpicky to expect him to hire a woman and to hire especially uh, that's like a whole other conversation because there's a lot of shit going on with that show but it it feels like the difference of wanting to appear inclusive and actually having a vested interest in it and wanting to you know not only like bring appropriate like writers and perspectives into your project but also get people into the industry because mm-hmm. you have institutional power which right. i guess to be fair george tillman i don't think did at this time this is his first big movie so maybe there wasn't a budget for that like whatever but, also, but i think now it's it's good and it's also i think if when it's good people have less of an issue if it feels right. like but if it's like mm, the reason that it wasn't is because you don't have no women <laughs> yeah. invited. like you know so so yeah. that's 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 a thing too but do we live in a world where a bunch of women could get away with writing about a bunch of brothers and men would they be able to do that like i'd like to try though yeah i'd love to try like but honestly i was like i'm rather write about girls but like you try i'll watch your movie watch your tv I want brothers across the world to go ballistic when they see how I think brothers talk to each other. (laughs) Oh, wait, the nipple test. Can you explain a little bit more about nipples? Because I, with intersectionality, I feel like it, for me, if it's a lot of nipples, if they lose, like I would give it a lot of nipples if they lose, or maybe just one nipple if the nipple is like less nipples mean less intersectionality. Because queer women, I feel like I don't see a lot of representation when it mm. comes to queer women. And mm. queer lesbians have such a big part of our lives, like a part of our uh, literature, sure. film. I don't think we see enough support of queer women we don't see a lot of queer women on like screen unless like they're getting raped for being lesbian and like a man you should be with a man why you don't want to be with a man like you know so yeah so that i feel like he he, like docked some points for that um but yeah i wouldn't say that because i was like there's no queer definitely no queer visible well except there's um the guy who bird works with at the salon we don't know his name he's queer coded but um probably straight he's 
<laughs> right i'm like but i was like i loved watching him when he was on screen but yeah we know nothing about him including i don't even think his name yeah. so uh, but yeah Doesn't could count. definitely be more queer visibility in most movies the nipple scale you're trying to apply logic to um <laughs> something a very that logic scale like it's <laughs> yeah it's um we just sort of make it up as we go but that said i will definitively give it three nipples and i will give one to terry because justice for terry i will give one to uncle pete because i i feel like some tropes about elderly people were used with his character and i you know didn't love to see that so justice for uncle pete and then yeah i'll give my third nipple to queer icon the guy with dyed red hair who bird works with at the salon who was fun to watch Mm. so that is that jamie how about you i'm between a three and a three and a half because i respect this movie's place in movie history and specifically black movie history i think that especially with family dramas it is very rare to see a middle-class black family drama that Mm. is like something that we don't see a lot even now and I like that there is sort of I mean I think that Terry sort of gets the lion's share of the judgment for it but there is commentary on class that takes place within a black family um, in ways that I feel like in movies that are you know that get wide releases at least in the U.S. is not something that we see very often And I think I just, I really like George Tillman Jr. I feel like the best is yet to come from him. And I think this is just, just strictly from like a writing filmmaking standpoint, like it's so wild that this is his first movie. Like it's so, I mean, I know that he had a previous movie that didn't end up coming out. So it was technically his second movie, but for his Mm -hmm. first Y release, holy shit, it's so good. And I, and I think that it's very, Again, I don't want to like overly hand it to him, but as a first time male director choosing to center sisters in this story, I think is really cool. But there's everything else we've talked about. I think that there is a sort of fundamental misunderstanding of domestic abuse that uh, made me cringe sort of in the Mm -hmm. way it's presented and how easily it's forgiven. And there is the Terry issue where Terry... I feel did nothing wrong uh, amongst other things, but I think I'm going to go, I might go 3.5 and I am going to give one to Terry. Obviously I'm going to give one to bird. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm going to give one to faith because I feel like her character was similarly kind of a little all over the place Mm. in a way that wasn't always fair to her. Um, Although don't have sex with your cousin's husband. I do feel that strongly. Um, and I'm going to give the last half nipple to John Carter, who I really enjoyed learning mm-hmm. about and who would go on to uh, edit future George Tillman projects, including Barbershop. So nice. there you go. Very cool. Nadia, how about you? What would you rate it on our perfect, awesome nipple scale that makes so much I'm sense. I'm like so confused about nipples, so I'm just going to give them to who I want. So you guys yeah, gave please. nipples yeah. to Cherry. I'm going to give a nipple to Terry. I'm going to give a nipple to Bird. I'll give a nipple to Lim because I feel like it was kind of tough. His situation was pretty tough. We don't know where he came from. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I want to give a, nup- a nipple to Ahmad. I don't know what that means, but they're all getting nipples. So Nice. Perfect. It's just a showing of... Your favorite characters, basically. <laughs> okay. okay. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It's been such a treat. Come back anytime. And uh, tell us where people can check you out online, read your stuff, plug anything you want to plug. Okay, so you can find me at Blackdina on Instagram. And really, like, I own the trademark for Blackdina. So anywhere there's Blackdina, like, it's going to be me most of the time. That's spelled Uh, Mm B-L-A-C-T-I-N-A. Also, my website, blackdinamedia.com. I also have an art business where I sell art from, like, Haitian migrants in the Dominican Republic, Blackdina Galleria. That's Mm -hmm. on Instagram. That is, like, kind of a slow-cooking situation. Mm-hmm. Um, plugging Hispanic Heritage Month is coming is right around the corner so hire me for your panels for your schools like for mm-hmm. your promotions if anybody wants to give me a budget to work on a TV show or film either in the United States or Latin America or the Caribbean happy to do that English mm-hmm. or Spanish or Portuguese, happy to do that. Just moving the conversations forward and so we can have more nuanced entertainment when it comes to blackness because mm-hmm. it's so nuanced and it just, we have such an amazing culture. It's crazy like that it's put in this box because mm-hmm. the black experience is is so like diverse globally and within the Latinx community. I believe, what is there, like 200 million Afro-Latinos in Latin America. Um, I'm not sure how many in the United States and like Western countries, but it's it's super diverse. It's really, really fun. And we're missing out on a lot of entertainment right now. So Mm -hmm. thank you again so much. You can follow us at Bechtelcast on various social media platforms. Whatever they're called now. We don't fucking know. It could be different by the time you hear this. We're on... The, the things places. except for Facebook because that is a stressful place to Barf. be. So we're not yes. there. But definitely follow us slash subscribe to our Matreon at patreon.com slash Bechtelcast. You get two bonus episodes every month plus access to all the back catalog episodes all for $5 a month. Imagine. And then if you want some merch, if you have merch needs, you can find us at tpublic.com slash the Bechtelcast. And with that, let's get all the money out of this TV (laughs) and have a happy ending. Wow. And nom 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 on some delicious soul food. Mm. Bye. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? 
a wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl, go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.